Thank you so very much for joining me on another episode of Talking Cloud. Now, you know, this is where we talk about cloud, anything cloud, all things cloud. And man, oh man, oh man, it's such an enormous word and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now listen, you know, I am no expert. I'm the Gilligan but I do a great job seeking out experts. And man, do we got a cool one today. Somebody who's really been focused for a long, long time. You know, uh, oftentimes when I talk about my guests, I'll kind of read through their profile and it'll be a jump to jump to jump on all these different things. And oftentimes very impressive. This one kind of swings the other way, but is equally as impressive. First, I got to start out. The guy's got a uh, master's of science in electrical engineering. I do. I think that's right. In engineering anyway. I mean, the guy's look at anybody who boasts a double E is, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm bowing to because that's some serious work. He spent a bunch of years at a company I'm familiar with, and I can't wait to talk to him about, DEC, Digital Equipment Corporation. You know, Ken Olson famously said, who's going to ever want a personal computer on their desk? We'll have fun talking about that. Then he went and he kind of put a stake in the ground and, and formulated Strategic Networks Consulting. I think that was probably the precursor to him really formulating Lippus Enterprises, uh, and and he's been doing that for now nearly 20 years, it looks like. Uh, uh, in addition, he's got uh, the co-founder and chair of ONUG, and I'll let him describe the specific meaning of the acronym, uh, but it's something that he's been passionate and doing now for nearly 10 years. And oh, by the way, he's also Dean of Engineering Advisory Board Member at Boston University. So I mean, this is going to be a really fun conversation. I'm especially excited to have a chance to talk with Mr. Nick Lippis. Nick, thanks a ton, man, for uh, making some time for us today. Awesome, Grant. Thanks. I love the intro, um, by the way, like, you know, just how you kind of like open up the show. So uh, so thanks for the very generous, um, you know, introduction, you know, as well. It's uh, very, very nice of you. Um, so what do you want to chat about? So, all right. So for the audience, we have not gone through notes. Like, so this is extemporaneous, you know. Completely. Yep. What I always ask is, like I told Nick at the top of uh, this call is, I just want you to tell me if there's anything you don't want me to ask. And as long as I get a green light, we just go. And I love to just push it from the dock and, and, and have it go where it goes. You know, usually what I like to do, Nick, is I like to start off and say, why don't you provide a little bit of Z axes on how you jump from, you know, 
the very early days uh, from deck into the things you're doing today? Maybe you can give some perspective. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's, it, it, it is an interesting journey, uh, only when you look at it from the lens of like the industry transformations that were going on at this particular point in some time. So I was at DEC when we basically developed like the first local area networks and um, uh, the first routers, which were microvaxes. Um, and so I was, I got involved in networking early on, like in the kind of early 80s, right after, right out of college. And DEC was kind of the place to be if you wanted to do computer networking. And so, um, so I was there from 84, I think around to like 89 or so. So it wasn't like a long stint, you know, but it was good, but it was good enough. Made so many great friends there, you know, a lot of them, you know, were my wedding party, you know, it's like they're, you know, they're great. I've been in theirs, you know, so it's like just a really great community uh, to be to be part of. But uh, around the late 1980s, uh, 89, 1990, um, I, you know, I had finished up my master's work and um, I wanted to start a company and I didn't know if it was product or service. And so I knew that, you know, I was in computer networking and the Internet really was just talked about, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. TCPIP wasn't, you know, Vint was still working on, you know, TCPIP and everything. And yeah. so anyway, um, so uh, I knew that something big was going to happen there, but I didn't think you know, DEC being a computer company and not really being a networking company, um, that would be best, you know, to kind of branch off. So I, I started, I thought, okay, I'll do a bunch of consulting work uh, to really understand the market. And so I did that for a bunch of years, um, started a company called Strategic Networks. I sold that to SoftBank, uh, actually Masio Sison, mm -hmm. uh, back in 1996, 97 timeframe. Wow. I took a few years off, you know, in there, which was actually the worst decision I think I've ever made. I'm not built for just sitting around. Um, mm. I kind of discovered early on is that, you know, I was designed to kind of do work. <laughs> and be wow. engaged, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's like taking time off wasn't exactly fun. So um, so anyway, so I started up again, um, and I was kind of doing. I've always been kind of an analyst, and being able to kind of look at the marketplace and and make some projections and also observations. Um, and then there was a guy named Ernest Lefner, a good friend, uh, and also the co-founder of Onub. And so um, he approached me about ten years ago, saying, "Hey, we need a place for IT executives." to get together and talk about um, the transitions that they're doing, the choices that they're making, you know, today, um, and how they become digital companies. And so, um, so he said, okay, I'll host the first one. And that was at Fidelity. He worked at Fidelity at the time. And, um, and that started off the Onuk journey, uh, which hmm. is now like an instrument into its 10th year, it'll be 5,000 people at, you know, wow. Onuk fall and, you know, wow. in October and, uh, and Onuk, uh, what is that open networking user group? Is that yeah. or, or something like that? Yeah. It's, well, yeah, we, 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 we don't kind of call it by its, you know, full name anymore. We just call it Onuk, but, um, but the acronym is open networking users group because we started really talking about networking, uh, and, you know, 10 years ago, uh, but then the community evolved and they, they wanted to talk about all these other things, and especially around uh, around cloud. At the time, you know, Onug really kind of coined the terms of hybrid and multi-cloud in 2014 mm. at you know where we were at at Columbia University, and 
you know, um, those early days of, okay, well, choice and options and how corporations, large corporations need to build um, or where are they going to get, where in the IT supply chain uh, can they create value uh, digital value for their brands, and so right. they all knew it was it was cloud, but it wasn't it wasn't single cloud. You know, it was multi cloud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, I hope that wasn't too long. No, that's <laughs> so. that, hey, that's okay. We're away from the dock. You know, you've already brought up cloud, but I've got to go back because, you know, so I opened the office for Apple up in Anchorage, Alaska, in 1987. Oh my God! Wow. And and I just I mean I specifically, uh, you may recall there was a huge deck customer British Petroleum. Mm, yeah. BP was a huge deck customer. Now, mm. ironically, they had all IBM PCs on their desktop at the time, which everybody did in in in, in that eighty uh, six seven era, yeah. and. and what Apple had, and you may recall this, Apple had the ability, they partnered up with DEC, and they could tunnel an yeah. Apple Talk protocol uh, a packet, right, inside of a, a, a DECnet header. It basically was a header and trailer of DECnet. But what that yeah. meant is that global network that you all had built, now all of a yeah. sudden Apple could transmit apple talk protocol throughout that global network and so there was some companies uh, uh, uh alisa share pacer share uh, yeah. they they were so, uh, software that ran in the vax environment mm. that turned that vax into an apple share file server so that you could go to that apple menu and go to the chooser and everything was in files and folders yeah. and i went into a guy named kevin cunningham in anchorage alaska these guys by the way bought the first nine thousand on the planet that's who oh. uh, anchorage yeah. uh, british petroleum was and, and and i had this demo set up yeah I, I, I but i had this demo set up and we showed them how to move Nick Lippis from the Glasgow location to the Anchorage location. And of yeah. course, it was just dragging the folder, right? Uh, Their jaws yeah. dropped. And uh, literally, uh, the uh, national account executive, a guy named uh, John Rafiti, I think he did like four or 500% of plan that year because he was in Cleveland and he, you know there wasn't a chance in hell they figured they were going to be selling them many uh, Macintosh 2s. And it went global. Every desktop turned into a Mac, one Vax per global location. They turned into a file server. It was one of those huge victories, you know, but it, it's so fun to remember how innovative yeah. you could almost be with the way technology was evolving so fast back then. Yeah, well, and it still is. It's going as fast, you know, even faster now. But like, I think that's actually the beauty of computing and uh, and computer networking. You know, it's like, we just can have these massive amount of automation or innovation that streamlines process, makes people more productive, you know, um, like uh, I'm so totally convinced is that, you know, what we do in our industry has the biggest impact on the global economy than any other industry. No um, question. You know, by far, you know, whether that's finance, manufacturing, governments and policies, you know, it's like 
it's it's really it's computing computer networking um the cool thing about this business that i was just so fortunate to fall into is mm -hmm. no matter when you get into it you're getting in at the beginning of something right mm, i mean it's it's whether it's iot or blockchain or uh, containers or functions or kubernetes or terraform or let's you know what i mean it's it's pretty exciting and i know there's going to be more new stuff and it's really not that old of an industry when you compare it to automobiles or some oh, of the yeah. other more Finance, yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 pretty wild. So talk a little bit about uh, O N U G. Own. Uh, how do you say it? Onug. I say uh, I some. It's a tomato tomato kind of thing. Some people call it Onug. Some people call it Onug. Okay. Uh, I prefer Onug. You okay. Know, yeah. Know. Yeah. Phonetically, that's cor or I guess as it would be pronounced in English class, it would be uh, that that would be right. Onug. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Onug. So, all right. So, what would you like me to chat about? Uh, talk about? Tell me. You 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 mentioned this massive conference, five thousand people. Are these your members? What's yeah. the conference all about? Talk about it. Do a little advertising for for Onugs. Is this like your annual event that you get everybody together? Yeah, there actually we do too. We do one in the spring and also one in the fall. And um, and the fall, uh, we've been obviously tracking. You know how corporations. Um, have been managing the pandemic and remote workforces and you know the acceleration of digital plants and so forth and the the key thing that i think we've we come to realize and what we're going to talk about at this onug is something called enterprise cloud 2.0 and what we mean by that is that um you hear in in our industry we have such a great hype machine in our industry mm -hmm. you know and, um, but there's a little, you know, it's, but it's hard to kind of see how the hype kind of relates to you sometimes. What I mean by that is that around cloud consumption, huge amount of like, you know, cloud first companies consume a lot of cloud services, a lot of broadcasting companies consume masses amount of cloud and the large enterprise, not so much, you know, mm -hmm. it's like maybe 10 to 15% of workloads. And, um, and for, for obvious reasons, there's security, there's control, there's governance, and all those things are kind of lacking, you know, uh, from cloud providers. So what Enterprise Cloud 2.0 is all about is that it, it describes, you know, and it's, a, it's an industry conversation around what is the needed connected tissue uh, between kind of a, a large enterprise data center like the one that's behind you and your, you know, your video background, right? Right. Um, and also one into the cloud. So there is connectivity, which is part of that connective tissue orchestration, automation. Um, security is a really important part of that. Monitoring visibility. All these things need to be put in place in order for large enterprises to consume more cloud services, and um, and we can talk about security, you know, in a second. But because that's that's an, that's probably one of that is the biggest, you know, uh, yep. issue. But I think so. Enterprise Cloud 2.0 is really a conversation about how do large enterprises consume more cloud services and how do we collaborate together as an industry to close these gaps that exist and everybody you know all the cloud providers it's not nothing new for them um i think in the large enterprise they've been feeling that they've been 
kind of on their own for a long time because yep. the cloud providers really have focused a lot on like small, medium-sized businesses, um, you know, and um, and to a degree large enterprises too, but not in a big systemic way. Um, and so they're just starting to get around to that right now. So um, so that's what um, that's what the fall is really all about. It's uh, enterprise cloud 2.0, uh, that connective tissue between on-prem and, and off-prem. Yeah, interesting. Well, the one thing that's, I think, I'm not going to say completely unique, but certainly is more evident, I believe, in the U.S. Uh, than maybe other parts of the world, certainly more than like in India and other parts. And that is the tail, you know, the technology tail that that organizations have, enterprises have, right? I mean, mm. it's it's so much different when you when you refer to the uh, cloud native or the cloud first. I I kind of I always uh, argue that we're really for most, aren't we? And I'd be curious based on what you said about enterprises. Don't you think we're at a uh, explain to me why not cloud point in 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 the discussion? Or you don't see it that way? No, no it's like in my actually I would say it's the opposite. It's more like explain to me why cloud. Really? Uh, yeah, because like this is the issue. You know, like if you're a large, if you're a CEO of like you know, you're Jamie Dimon. You know, yep. uh, one is that you can give a rat, you know what, about how value is created in your IT staff, whether they, you know, if they're kind of using mouses that run around like the little you know wheel, or if they're using cloud services, it doesn't matter yep. to him. And also, it's like, okay, how am I creating value, and how I how am I competing? you know, in a global marketplace and right. how do I create barrier of entries? And it's so all, that's really what's important. And, um, and so if you think about uh, cloud, the problem with large, with the CSPs is that the same controls that, um, that IT executives have in their private on-prem services are non-existent in the public cloud. And so if they can control their assets, their data, their, you know, yep. applications, they're not going to go anywhere. They're not going to consume it. You know, it's like it's too risky. It's too high risk for them. So what the cloud providers offer, um, and they do a really good job at this, they offer um, agility and really convenience, right? You can scale something up. You can scale something down. You can have you can have 100 developers distributed all across the world, and they're all creating cloud accounts, right? Um, so that's convenient and that's really important. That's, you know, it's a powerful, um, value prop they offer, but no CEO is going to trade off, off, uh, convenience for control. And that's why, um, controls need to be put in place. And, and that's that connective tissue. Yep. You know, it's interesting you say that, uh, Nick, because I, I'm not going to mention names because I'd be, I'd really, I know, um, I'd get into trouble, but I was astounded when I had a conversation with a senior vice president of a financial firm that's global and, it, you know, it's one of the uh, five biggest in the planet, okay? And my expectation was they were going to tell me about this enormous cloud use and all the workloads and everything and all the apps that we're building. I was shocked. They actually... Uh, stopped all of the move to the cloud because 
because it, it it's almost like it was too fluid. It mm. was it was too uh, uh, easy to not really know whose fingers in the bucket. And the bucket can move almost like, you know, those walnuts and where's the ball, right? And the magician that would, you know, that's happening all day long. And and they just threw their hands up and said, no, unless I have absolute 100 percent knowledge and control 24, 7, 365, I'm not doing it. And they put the brakes on everything. So I think that aligns. But it's interesting because the flip side of that is what yeah. you first mentioned, that hype cycle. Holy moly, man. Every yeah. white paper, every analyst, everybody is just saying how everything's cloud, 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 cloud. I mean, that doesn't align with the 5,000 constituents, apparently, that you have, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's like um, they view cloud as one tool in a tool chest, right? You know, so it's not like, you know, you know, that's the only thing that they need to use in order to build value mm. uh, for the company, right? Right. Um, but it's an important, um, I don't want to downplay it either. It's important too, you know. And so, for example, one thing that we're doing at Onug is we have, um, there's a group called the Onug Collaborative. Um, and what the Onug Collaborative is, that was started by um, both Onug, Raytheon, FedEx, and Cigna. Um, and that was to try to uh, wrap our mind around for the community. Um, how do you uh, how do you do cloud governance, and then uh, and then how do you automate it? So cloud governance is um, it's that it's it's all of that basket of controls, right? So I know what I'm spending. I know like if a um, if a uh, if an application shouldn't be open to the internet, it's not, you know. So it's um, um, I know that uh, certain configurations are not, you know, allowed. So mm-hmm. it's all of those control pieces. That's what governance is all about. And how do you automate that so that your operational cost isn't going through the roof? Right. So anyway, so we we delivered um, a paper uh, on that called the automating cloud governance. Um, that was in spring of 2020 hugely popular you know it's like the paper was downloaded tens of thousands of times mm. and um uh the conference was um well received and so like those founding members said okay we need to bring the cloud providers in and we did so uh ibm is involved microsoft gcp um and oracle uh is involved and so what we're doing now is we realize the key part of governance is security and so one thing that gets in the way of automating um, is that all the cloud providers speak different languages when they communicate security notifications. So uh, what is, you know, um, um, a server just went down or uh, a configuration, you know, uh, event, you know, just occurred, Uh, access to some server, you know, um, unauthorized happened. That's communicated differently, whether that's Amazon or IBM or, you know, Azure would have you. So what the collaborative is now doing, um, there's an open source project to create a common definition language um, and to decorate all those messages um, and compare them across standard definitions like in MITRE and in NIST. Mm-hmm. And so that we can have now a, uh, a translation service. Right. So we have these messages come in, they get decorated. Um, and then um, you can also enrich those 
um, those messages as well, which is really important. So like if you have a server uh, in GCP and that's revenue generating, um, and you have a server in Azure, and that's maybe you know um, not revenue generating. Uh, you can you know uh, enhance messages and prioritize them so that you know uh, you can prioritize your response. So anyway, that's so this connective tissue is really super important. What the collaborative is doing is working on creating that connective tissue for security notifications with the decorator, uh, and they're using the open source kind of methodology mm. um, to do that. And we have all the big cloud providers in, and we have Goldman Sachs is involved, Fidelity is involved, Pfizer, Kaiser, uh, Intuit, Adobe. You know, um, there's a lot of really great brands that are involved with that. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, you know, I think one of the things I've said about the cloud is I liken it to, you know, when you, when you stack rank, uh, or just stratify a, a, across all of different cloud providers. You know, I always say they're all summoning the same mountain, but they're taking mm -hmm. different paths because some yeah. things matter more than others to some. For example, Active Directory, you know, and the yeah. role just Active Directory. And certainly I always bring up Active Directory simply because the world of identity and access is becoming so critically important in the cloud. I mean, that's the game. You know, in fact, I heard a term the other day. I'm curious your thoughts, but it made sense. It was oh, not yeah. DevOps, wasn't SecOps. It was Access Ops. This hmm. whole notion of really understanding at the end of the day when you've got a function, a microservice, an application, a human being, all accessing, we need to understand that. And that goes back to some of that fluidity that I was referring to earlier, right? We're, we're yep. pretty fixated right now on first, you know, make sure you have network security, but posture management, right? And, and that's making sure that you've got all of the guardrails, so to speak, put in place. But I think one of the challenges, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, Nick, is it seems like, and you're, you're decorating and harmonizing what really is the spam for a security practitioner. <laughs> it's the alerts man and yeah. and, and there's yeah. there's that's and and what's critical now is you've got uh, five different alerts uh, that are coming with different definitions so you need to harmonize that but these are still just telling me you know they're alerts and i think that's where we need to get we need to say okay don't give me an alert give me truth and tell me how to fix it Grant, you, um, you know, you know, like a laser right to the issue, you know, um, the um, you're absolutely right. You know, it's like, you know, some of these companies I mentioned, you know, they'll get like five million alerts or logs a second. Yeah. <laughs> with a second. That's just one. That's with one cloud provider. You know, when you start going multi-cloud, so that grows exponentially, yep. right? You know, as as you consume cloud services linearly, yep. you know, uh, the amount of alerting and logging grows exponentially. Yeah. And when the other thing too, I'm sorry, but everybody talks about how they have cloud trail and they've got all their logs, but I mean, come on, those files are so enormous and large. How many people are really combing through them with a fine tooth comb, right? I mean, 
coil is. I, I, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Nick, but it, I mean that's you're exactly right. the The pile is just so enormous. Uh, you know, hey, are you capturing all your logs? Yeah, where are they? Oh, see that mountain back there? That's it. Yeah. Have you looked at them? <laughs> well, they're right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you're right, and I think you know that's that's what we're tackling with the decorator. You know, it's like we'll have. Uh, so as as I'm, as I'm mentioning, so like those that those messages grow exponentially in multi-cloud. It goes hyper exponentially. Right. So um, so what if we can decorate them and provide some commonality across them um, and then so then that can be more easily consumed by SIMs and SOARs and security data lakes, um, then you can actually automate and understand you can you can do a couple of different things that are really important. One, you can uh, you can maintain your minimum viable um, Oh, um, posture, right? Uh, security posture, right? So, yeah, if you if you lose your minimum viable, sometimes you don't even know if you lost it. But if you can, but if you lose it uh, because of lack of visibility, then you're just going to start. You're going to stop, you know, consuming cloud services, uh, just like that bank did that you had mentioned a second ago. Yep. So if we can um, create an environment, you know, where where all that can be consumed, it can be sorted, it can be ingested. Uh, and then you can apply AI algorithms on top of that, open up a whole marketplace for applications that can actually consume that data, uh, look at that data so you can actually yep. really get towards posture assessment um, and get away from all the toil that all of these security engineers deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. That's what we're trying to do. That's And that's connective tissue. Yep. You know, that's that's a real important contribution um, you know, for the industry. And that's why the cloud providers are involved uh, because they realize is that, yeah, they're sending a mountain of data, as you mentioned, um, that is daunting, um, yeah. impossible for humans to consume. Yep. Um, and so it needs to be put into a format that machines can read and machines can actually deal with. And, yep. um, and that's what the decorator does. So actually there'll be the, at, at Onuk Fall, there'll be the first demonstration of this. Oh, cool. So we'll, we'll have those four companies demonstrating it. We'll have, um, I think Wiz uh, is going to do um, kind of some dashboarding based upon uh, the data that's coming uh, from the decorator. Concourse Labs uh, is another company. Splunk, another one. Qualys, you know, is another one as well. So um, very cool. Just, uh, yeah, so we'll have the first demonstration. There's the way that the working group is working. Um, they're kind of they have. Uh, I love it. It's like um, the the first product is something they're calling a cupcake. So it's a relatively <laughs> low functionality, you know, um, you know, bite of this because it's an enormous problem. So it's a cupcake. Um, then in spring next year, then we're going to introduce. Uh, the birthday cake, uh, you know, and nice. then in fall <laughs> of next year, it'll be the wedding cake. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, nice. Well, that's you got to uh, eat an elephant one bite at a time. right? I mean, it's crawl, walk, run. Uh, so, I mean, that's awesome. Well, that's a very interesting project. And I think, uh, you know, it, like anything, uh, you've got some great names in there. If it if it gets hold right i mean it's sort of like uh, yeah. uh i remember uh software defined networking 
right? Yeah. When that was first bubbling up and there was all kinds of poo-pooing that it was never going to really take hold. And then I think Cisco made a big investment and everybody expected that was just so they could derail the project, right? To slow it down. But there's no disputing, um, you know, those trends once they they really uh, got rooted, you know, there's no stopping them, right? There's no stopping yeah. them. And, and this, I think, I think you're spot on that it is a very, it, it's a big issue. Um, and connected tissue, I think, is also a good way of putting it because like I mentioned earlier, I think there is a long chain, a long tail, if you will, that organizations um, want to continue to leverage and they have a level of confidence they've not yet achieved by moving it up into the cloud but it is quite contrary to what you seem to be hearing uh from you know the trade rags the analysts the 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 what's going out in the social world isn't it yeah well you know it's like it's kind of understandable you know um if you're a cloud first company um uh, then that's your life. That's what you. Uh, that's the tool set that you use. And the cloud providers have been really, really good in offering lots of different tools for developers. You know, so um, so uh, you 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 can understand that. Um, however, if you're dealing with like a hundred year old company, you know, like a GE or mm-hmm. like a Citigroup or Bank of America, you know, it's like these big massive companies. You know, they have different kinds of concerns and um, and that they need. And to manage their business, every healthcare company, you know, oh. insurance company, you know, it's like, um, so anyway, there's, there's certain companies that, you know, that are, that are fully in the whole kind of digital, uh, economy, yeah. uh, they started there and that's, you know, and, and so they can rapidly, um, move there. So that all works, you know, well, however, though, you know, it's like, you also see repatriation happening. You know, too. All right. You know, so it's like they're um, uh, Martin Casada uh, and Sarah. I think it's Sarah's last name over at A16Z. Um, they published a really interesting blog um, where they kind of start pulling some data from companies like Box and Dropbox and others. Um, Netflix, uh, another one where their cost of their the cost of cloud consumption um, got to be around 80 percent of their cost of sales. Mm. So it was and then they started factoring that into like, you know, well, if we didn't have, you know, that's that's probably about like almost two X, if not three X more than Mm. if they would actually do it themselves, then what would that actually mean in terms of market capitalization? And so they did a kind of probably more than a back of the envelope uh, calculation, but they came up with about it's about a trillion dollars of market cap Mm. uh, that's being lost um, by those who are um, running big businesses in the cloud. And so that there's a rethinking of repatriation. You mentioned Netflix. I mean, weren't they the ones that famously said they're never going to buy another server and everything went to the cloud? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, as, I, I could be wrong. So I, I want to check, you know, this fact. You sure. know, uh, I thought like also Netflix moved some of their stuff out, you mm. know, back private you yeah. know just like what well i've heard more than one time a few things uh, that's been very consistent in my conversations one it's been don't do what you've done for years on premise when you go into the cloud don't just say we did it this way and so now let's do it that way that's 
I'm I'm told is um, n- not a a good thing. Uh, the other is that it's not always less money. It's In fact, less. it's rarely <laughs> less money, and it has more to do with what I think you mentioned right out of the shoot: the agility, uh, some some of that uh, flexibility, that that elasticity. Uh, those are the things that really have value, um, but with it comes risk, and we, we read them every day, right? One configuration, one boo-boo, one human makes a mistake. I mean, that's what we're probably not ever going to remove completely, and that's the human. But um, it seems, you know, I've had this conversation in the past, there's a you know, the effort always underway about making users smarter, because I think some 90 plus percent of ransomware starts with successful phishing, right? You click. Gotta be. Yeah. Um, but but the flip side is if you look like at the car industry, right, they don't offer if you've bought a new car recently, they, they didn't give you a free defensive driving course, right, or, or anything like that. But it will break for you, park for you, slow down for you. You know, I mean, so it's like it's going to do a better job protecting you from you. And I and I kind of see similar trends, it seems uh, like with some of the development uh, in new startups around shift left and checking code before it can get pushed live and uh, yeah. excessive privileges that have been granted that may not be needed or required. So uh, I think it's kind of interesting. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, no, I think, you know, there's always, um, you know, it, it's hard. Like when you have a company with like, you know, 30, 70,000 employees, you know, um, and they're at all different levels, you know, because you need lots of different people doing different things and very large corporations. It's very hard to make, make sure that everybody's on the same page and has the same defenses, yep. you know. Um, so that's a uh, probably the biggest kind of surface area in terms of risk. Um, and that's why, you know, ransomware tends to work, you know, um, a lot, you know, because you have companies that, um, you know, it's it's understandable that someone might just be fooled, you know, into like a uh, particular email and then they open something and then all of a sudden, you know, you got a freaking big problem yeah. <laughs> you know, on, yeah. Yeah. on your hands. And, um, you know, the best thing that we can uh, try to do is, you know, um, deep packet inspections, you know, for like traffic that's coming into an organization, try to identify identify, identify signatures, you know, like I think a lot of our email systems you know, have um, good uh, defenses, you know, within them, you know, as well. You know, it's like uh, you can't rely upon users. It's almost like you have to expect them to actually do the wrong thing. Yeah, um, that's and right. And so, you know, we have to really provide as much defense as we can uh, that mitigates that uh, exploit or that threat yep. before it gets to them. No doubt, man. I always tell people, anybody that relies on detection is making a big mistake because I can't outrun microprocessor or RAM, you know? So it's like, I've got to do, I got to be all about uh, prevention and, yeah. and stopping it from getting there. And there's now when you combine the speed of, uh, the connectivities uh, that we have, the bandwidth, the, the, the speed at which we can transmit huge amounts of data when you combine that with sandboxing technologies uh, you know what we're actually getting close to we're not there yet but we're close to where i can click on something and you're actually 
uh, the, able to reroute that download, reroute that file to a sandbox, check it. In fact, that's one of the cool things. I think it's very cool the way uh, Checkpoint actually will deliver you a PDF of any file until it has time to check it if it doesn't know that it's clean, right? Yeah. And you could still request the original uh, .docs file, but if you don't need it and all you want to do is read it, it's not a big deal, right? Um, but my point is we're getting uh, everything so hyper-connected with uh, processing power and bandwidth. We're able to start to do things almost like in real time and still do some pretty significant interrogation of those files. And yeah. it's, it's, it's encouraging. And, and that just means that the bad guys are going to figure out other ways to get around it, right? It's always an arms race, you know, and you know, obviously the new battleground is around AI, you know, so um, you know, whoever's going to have the better algorithms, you know, and in there I'm, I have, you know, I'm uh, optimistic, you know, that um, that industry can actually invest in better and bigger and more robust AI than hackers can, you know, um, yeah, yeah. I'm hopeful that anyway <laughs> yeah me me too um i mean uh, boy the data that i've seen recently man uh that has come out of uh, our research and the mm -hmm. increase in ransomware the increase uh in, in just uh hacks it's i mean it's it's I really pandemic. it was like it's, a, you know, frankly, it's so appalling. You know, it's like they go after such vulnerable mm. sectors. Hospitals, of man. Yeah. It's like, it's just, I, 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 I'm, I'm working on a presentation. Uh, the data in terms of targeting hospitals and the value of uh, an electronic patient record. Oh, yeah. In the dark what web the versus just a social security number or credit card. Significantly higher. Oh, yeah. and, and, and it's a problem because we've gotten to the point now where everything's connected. I mean, you, you know, could you imagine there's actually a story about a woman who died because she couldn't get the uh, help she needed because ransomware locked up the hospital? Yeah, that's that's uh, scary. Yeah, it is. And you know, I think the biggest thing that woke me up to all of this is when Merck had to go to the CDC and and tap in reserves for a particular um medications um i forget which medications it was but uh when they got hit with WannaCry mm. and their manufacturing facilities were like brought down they couldn't keep up with their minimum requirements um of keeping particular um drugs wow. uh, in warehouses so um yeah there's life like, and uh, death you know it is life yeah there's no doubt it's, yeah. um it's not you know it's not a video game <laughs> it's no. not the major <laughs> that's you know that's usually kind of the the linear path that I I talk about how critical security has become cybersecurity because in the very very early days you'll recall it was an irritant right a worm on the screen that you had to do a reboot to uh, delete a DLL or some stupid little file and you were fine uh, yeah. then it became uh, evident kinetic damage could be done uh, Stuxnet. Uh, the granddaddy showed showed that. And then we got into things like the ping insulin pump from Johnson & Johnson that was released yeah. with a flaw that I could, uh, you know, hack and administer a lethal dose of insulin. And, and now these other examples where, 
you know, we're in a different world and, and a different level of dependency on this, as you put it, connected tissue, right? So yeah. I, I, I applaud the efforts of ONUG on um, finding ways to bolster, strengthen, and improve and secure th those connections because that's really what it comes down to, right? I think so. I think if we can get like a, um, you know, um, and I, I'm, I'm positive that we will, you know, because um, it's going to be kind of community driven. But if we can get a good, uh, a very robust um, definitions of, you know, a large number of events, like 500 events, you know, uh, or so or logs, um, then and that can be consumed by lots of different companies um, that can open up uh, a whole ecosystem of applications um, that now focus on um, not just cloud, but also on-prem, you know, as well, um, events and alerts, and uh, and not just store them and create some really interesting pictures, um, but actually um, are able to able to consume them and make sense out of them. Um, and I think we'll, it'll be really wonderful to see the market start to move up towards that, mm -hmm. you know value proposition uh, versus kind of collection and um, and the toil that's been going on over yep. the last couple of years. So, yep. yeah, I'm very, uh, very optimistic, you know, and, you know, look forward to cupcake, birthday cake and wedding cake. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah. kidding. So tell me, take a minute and, and talk about um, the organization and how someone maybe uh, if they can get involved, what it takes, what's involved, uh, maybe talk a bit about that. Yeah, well, and, well, there's lots of different uh, kind of touch points and ways to get involved. So uh, one is that if you want to get involved in the collaborative and we encourage and we're going to need a lot of people involved in that. So I think we're, we're now at the point where uh, we can actually um, use like hundreds of people, um, you know, getting involved. So uh, if you just go up to onug.net, um, you can uh, drop, there's a drop, 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 <laughs> drop down menu uh, for the collaborative. You can, um, you can get involved there. There's a uh, kind of instructions on, on what to do and how to do that. Um, the, the first version of the decorator is going to be placed up on GitHub um, before Onug fall. Um, so people want to like, um, and this is what we love for people to do. If you have particular events that you want to see decorated, you can now make those contributions. Mm. Um, so you can contribute, you know, um, yeah. to the um, kind of the the repo. It's uh, the a crowdsourced repo. project uh, uh, in a way, huh? Yeah, it is. It's open to like, you know, once uh, once it gets put onto Git, it's open to like yeah. anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, but obviously, like the working group will review contributions, and they'll you know they'll make. Sure. You know, there'll be a review board and that review board will decide, you know, which contributions make it, you know, and so forth. So I think that's another way to kind of get involved. Uh, attending Onug um, on just go up to the Onug.net site. You can just register to attend uh, Onug as well. Um, to be a member, um, you really just need to go up to the site there. You can become a member there, too. So um, is this a live event you're going to be doing the uh, Onug Fall? Live digital. Live digital. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So so it, it it's going to be virtually live but not in person live. Not in person. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, it's too early. Like, you know, we're yeah. really fortunate we have a really great board and our board um, says like our travel budgets are all pulled for the entire year. Yeah. Uh, we're not quite sure when they're coming back next year. 
Yeah, you know? no, I totally get it. Uh, some people, you know, it's interesting. I, I do a, a lot of traveling, but haven't like everyone else. Uh, and there was a two-week window where uh, in-person events got approved because it looked like, you know, things were improving, right? But it literally was a two-week window, and then it got shut off. So there was two events that got planned in that in that oh, bubble, yeah. and I'm confident it's going to get popped uh, yeah. shortly, right? Because things are not uh, not moving in the right direction right now, but hopefully... Hopefully they will. Okay, so really the answer to everything is onug.net, O-N-U-G dot N-E-T, right? Yeah, just go up to onug.net, and um, um, if you want to attend the conference, you can go there. If you want to get involved in the collaborative, you can go there. You know, um, 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 we'll point to the GitHub repo there, you know, so. Cool, cool. Really easy. Yeah, really neat project. (laughs) that's cool hey thank you man this has been really a pleasure i've really really enjoyed it and i want to thank you for taking so much time with us nick it's been a fun conversation uh awesome grant thanks so much you're you're a great host and uh very gracious you know as well so thank you and uh and thank you everyone for listening and, and plugging in thanks nick a bunch so ladies and gentlemen thank you very much this was another one I thought uh, was awesome. I just feel like they just keep getting better and better and better. I love it. I have great guests. We have fun conversations, and I sure hope you're enjoying the conversation. If you are, subscribe, share, tell your friends, and we'll look forward to having you back on the next episode of Talking Cloud. Yeah.